the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, we've been in a series, as you know, on Wednesday nights called Rooted. We're getting planted so that we can stand the storms. We can have a root system down. So when the winds and the waves come, our house will be standing in the end. And so tonight's message, we're going to talk about gifts from above, is the title, gifts from above. If, and if you turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm going to read it out of the King James. It says, this is Apostle Paul talking to the church in Rome. He says, for I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end that you may be established or rooted. When I heard that word established, it just reminded me of rooted. So I looked up the word rooted to see what the definition says, and it says, established deeply and firmly. So... The word established basically means rooted, that you have a base to work from. You're not going to be moved. Now, I can't say my life was always established, that's for sure. I grew up in some of the rougher areas of Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, by the time I was a teenager, I would say that all my friends smoked a little wacky weed. Some of them did more than that. But I would say all of them at least did that much. And they just couldn't believe that I wouldn't smoke the wacky weed with them. But there's a lady in here, my mom, she was so anti-drug when I was a kid. I mean, she just, I, she had nothing to do with drugs. I mean, if she thought she smelled something, she called the popo. She'd call it on anybody, you know. She didn't want anything to do with drugs. And it impacted me as a young man, as a little boy. And so I said, you know what? I trusted my mama. I'm not doing drugs. And so all my friends would just, they couldn't believe that I wouldn't do drugs with them. And they would get upset. I mean, they'd laugh it off in the long run. They didn't force me to do anything because, you know, I'd whoop them. But, no. <laughs> but they, they just couldn't get over the fact that I wouldn't smoke with them. I remember one time we was in a car together, and I was sitting in the back seat. about five of us in a car. We would drive around circling Whitehaven, you know, like we did, had our little teenage stuff we did. And they decided they were going to get me high. So they rolled up all the windows and began to smoke their wacky weed. And they were just blowing it out and just laughing. We're going to get him high. We're going to get him high. How many believes I got high that night? Do y'all understand how marijuana works? You, <laughs> you breathe it in, you get high. Okay, so anyway... Well, we'll talk more about that, but before we go, let me say that I trusted mama's words of wisdom. How many of y'all have trusted your mama's words of wisdom? It worked out pretty good for you most of the time. That's why the Bible says obey your parents, because they're trying to impart some wisdom into you. 
We trust our mommies and daddies. Most of us did, for the most part. But do we trust our Heavenly Father when He's trying to impart some wisdom? He's trying to give us good gifts. My mama gave me a gift. Do you know? But because I didn't get on the drugs, if I look back at all my friends, some of them went on to a lot harder drugs. Some of them ain't alive today. Some of them's life has been completely ruined by drugs. They've fought addiction. Even to, I'm 52 now, they're 50 in their 50s, and they're still fighting addiction their whole life. You know, some of them have turned out okay, but they've wasted many years of their life as a couch potato. Lost the, the, you know, way I see marijuana, it just, it's like throwing a wet blanket on your hopes and dreams. Because everybody I saw around me that, that wanted to be something as a little boy, when they got older and began to smoke marijuana, it just took the drive out of them. Oh man, it doesn't do anything to you, it just makes you feel good. Well, let's, let's get up and go, you know, play sports. Or let's go, no, man, we're just going to sit here. They just lost their drive to be something. I'm not getting into drugs tonight, but do we trust God? My mama gave me a gift. Do we trust God to give us gifts? Luke 11, 11 says, your fathers, he says, you fathers, if you ask your child, I'm getting this all wrong. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? No, you weirdo. What kind of weirdo gives their kid a snake? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give Good gifts to them that ask him. Does it say good gifts? No. He takes it up a notch. He's just not talking about earthly stuff now. He's talking about something bigger. He said, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Now, I wouldn't receive just a gift from anybody you got to trust the one that's offering the gift, right? I mean, most of the time, you, you know, you'll go ahead, but sometimes you got to be careful. I mean, if the shoe bomber, <laughs> you remember that guy? He got on an airplane with a bomb in his shoe and tried to light it, and it wouldn't go off, and they arrested him. But if the shoe bomber came up with a shoe box and was offering it to me and gave it to me and took off running yelling, Allah Akbar, I may not receive that gift. You know what I'm saying? I may let that one lie. Common sense, right? It's not always the thought that counts. <laughs> but if you have an inkling of trust in the person, most people are not going to give you an a, a scorpion or a snake, are they? I mean, what kind of weirdo? It takes a weirdo to give you a bad, a really bad gift. And what this is saying is, do you have any trust in God at all? If evil people wouldn't even do that to their own children. But how much more will God give you a gift that's even greater than anything that you can find down here in the store? The Holy Ghost. Tonight we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit.
I think humans definitely, desperately need more of the Holy Spirit in their life. You know, we're supposed to walk in the Spirit as Christians, right? I mean, to, to be in the flesh, be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Everything the Bible says is we're supposed to have the fruit of the Spirit in our life. The results of the flesh are all these terrible things. The, the gifts of the Spirit are like life, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. I mean, it's a bunch of good stuff. Self-control, thank you. That was one I never really picked up on. No. <laughs> but, but the thing is, if we'll be honest, people are scared of things that they don't know much about. And when you begin to talk about the Holy Ghost, ooh, that word, ghost, scares people. You can call him the spirit of the ghost or whatever you want to, but it is a he, and he is God, and people are scared of him. They're scared of what they don't know about. And boy, if you begin to mention tongues, let's just be honest. Oh, oh I'm out of here. Some of you are looking at your watch right now. I wonder if I could sneak out about right now. Because they're going to talk about them tongues. We just want to go to a Baptocostal church. We don't want to be full gospel. Is it because you don't trust your Heavenly Father to give you good gifts? If you saw it in the Word, would it be so spooky to you? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're scared of what we don't know. But you know, I was afraid of public speaking at one time in my life. But now, it's like a major part of my calling in life. And how many of you have a calling on your life or, or something in your life that you've let fear stop you from entering into? Blessings that God wants to give you. So we can't let fear dictate our life. And if you're going to get to your calling, what God has for your life, guess what? You need all the Holy Spirit you can get. Because he's the one, that's what God gives, good gifts to his children. That's what he gives to help us become the people that we need to be. We need to be more of him and less of us. There's nine major gifts of the Holy Spirit. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12 and we'll look at them a minute. See, they're already going out the back. See, I knew it. She's the children's director, so she's taking care of that light there. If you got to run, go ahead and run now. No. <clears throat> We're not going to, it's not a squirrely thing. Men have made the gifts of the Spirit squirrely, but God doesn't. God, it's nothing squirrely about God. It's, it's squirrely in our thinking. We have squirrely thinking. That's what we're here to, to change tonight. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Apostle Paul talking to a squirrely church. The Corinthians, they... They took off and did just about everything in excess. They said there's different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it's the same Spirit that is the source of them all. There's only one Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. There's only one purpose. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. It says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice 
In the King James, it's called the word of wisdom. To another, the same spirit gives the message of special knowledge or the word of knowledge. Now, we're, we're already into the nine, if you want to count them. That's the first two, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Verse 9 says, the same Spirit gives great faith to another. That's the gift of faith. We're going to talk about these. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. It's called the working of miracles in the King James. And another person, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit called the discerning of spirits. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, tongues, while others is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person shall have. So it's saying that these are gifts from God. And God determines which ones you'll operate in. Right? It's he who decides. He gives them at the opportune moments, at the right time, when you're ready, when you need it. These are all important gifts. There's three revelation gifts. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and uh, the discerning of spirits. The word of knowledge. Let's talk about that. The word of knowledge is simply the Holy Spirit transmitting his specific knowledge to you on something that you have no way to know on your own. You know how I figured that out? I, I looked it up on BibleKnowledge.com. <laughs> Found it on the internet. But I just was helping, getting somebody to help me say it in a proper way. I got a word of knowledge from BibleKnowledge.com. So, hey. So, for example, a word of knowledge would be, where did I put my keys? All of a sudden. God brings the knowledge to your remembrance because, you know, the Holy Spirit brings you into remembrance, right? Of all things. And uh, how to witness to a stranger. You come up to a complete stranger and you want to, you feel an unction to, to witness to him about Jesus. You don't know how to get started and all of a sudden you just feel it come to you and you, and you go in a certain direction and they're like, you, you hit it off like that. You open their heart just right away because God gave you a word of knowledge about where they were at or something. Some of you wanting to get married someday. And God will give you a word of knowledge about the right woman to marry. Uh, some of you want to know what your calling is in life. That's something you want to hear from God. That's the, you know, many people just take off in a direction. And they go after something that really was not their calling at all and spend 70 years. And then they get on their deathbed and realize... Oh, I got a word of knowledge. I'm supposed to be an astronaut, you know. <laughs> and I worked at BFI for 65 years, you know. All right. How do you be good at your job? God will, will speak to you. See, that's how God does. He leads and guides us with different gifts of the Holy Spirit. At certain times in our life, we need, to, we need a special gift of knowledge. Now, the word of wisdom, the second revelation gift, is very similar Wisdom is just, it's just actually the correct application of knowledge. In the plainest sense of the definition, if, if you have knowledge about something, but you don't know how to use that knowledge, it's no good to you. Oh, you just got a lot of trivia in your head. But if you can take that knowledge and apply it 
in a godly way, in, in God's way. That's called wisdom. And we're supposed to try to seek after wisdom and knowledge. King Solomon did. You remember God came to King Solomon and he said, because of your father David and, and how, you know, how good a man he was. He, fought, he was a man after my own heart and all this stuff. And, and I've told him that he'll always have a son on the throne. He says, ask me anything and I'll give it to you. Let's turn to 1 Chronicles 1 and see what, what happened in that situation. First Chronicles chapter 1, verse 10. I'm going the wrong direction. All right. Is this First Chronicles? You're right, Second Chronicles. I'm sorry, Second Chronicles. My page is bent right there. I can't see. All right, Second Chronicles, chapter 1, verse 10. When God asked Solomon, what can I do for you? Imagine if God asked you that. I'll give you anything that you desire. What can I do for you? He says, give me the wisdom and knowledge to lead your people. To lead them properly. For who could possibly govern this great people of yours? I think it's pretty neat that a young King Solomon had a heart so much that he was concerned about doing his job as king, how to lead. And he said, these people of yours. Now that's wisdom. Because when I pray, I'm not, Lord, help these people of mine. Heck no, y'all ain't my people. Y'all are God's people. And I, and I believe me, I'm thankful for that. No, I recognize that. I say, Lord, show me how I can lead your people. That's a correct understanding. Solomon was showing wisdom before God even uh, gave him more. So God said to Solomon, because of your greatest desires to help your people, and you did not ask for wealth or riches or fame or even death for your enemies or a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people, I will certainly give you the wisdom and the knowledge you requested. But I will also give you wealth and riches and fame, such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future. And sure enough, Solomon became the richest and the wisest king in recorded history. But do you see the heart of God? He loves to give good gifts to his children because he asked for wisdom and knowledge to help somebody else. Boy, you start asking God for these gifts because what did it say these gifts are for? To help other people. Because your heart is to help other people and you want these gifts to help other people, God will give you everything else your heart desires. He gave him wealth and riches and fame and all the things that he didn't ask for because his heart was right and he could be trusted with it. I thought that was pretty good. Okay, the third thing is discerning of spirits. That sounds spooky, but it's really not. Because if somebody comes in the church, they want to give a word or something, you know, I need to discern whether 
they're going to be speaking with God's spirit or it's just something fleshly that they got to say or whether it's a demonic spirit. Because there's three kinds of spirits speaking. If you got somebody stops at your house, knocks on the door, can I use your phone, and you let them in the house, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit may speak to you. You need to get them out of here. You know, that's, that's the discerning of spirits. They're here to rob you or that. You need to go. You need to be able to discern the, the motives of somebody, and you can't see that in the natural. That is something the, the Holy Spirit gives you, a discerning of spirits. But what we're going to find out tonight is you will rarely, if ever, operate in any of these gifts unless you're first filled with the Holy Spirit. You've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4, 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. There's human spirit, there's God's spirit, and there's demonic spirits speaking. When you hear voices in your head, you need to be able to discern which, which voice you're hearing. You need to know the master's voice. You need to have walked with him long enough. You need to have, have a solid foundation in his word so that you can know who you're listening to. Amen? Okay, so we got the three revelation gifts. Let's talk about the three vocal gifts. Different tongues being the first. This is the one that makes people nervous, so we're going to spend probably a little time on this. The gift of tongues is simply the Holy Spirit giving you the supernatural ability to speak in a foreign tongue that you can't speak on your own. And there are three types of tongues that you need to learn the difference in. Because if you lump them all together and then you read scriptures about tongues, you'll be confused. Uh, First, you have uh, a case where like in, in, on the day of Pentecost, when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, it says, with the evi- and given the evidence of speaking in new tongues, and they went out and into the streets of Jerusalem and began to prophesy and to, to speak in tongues, because there was people from all over the world with different dialects and stuff had come to Jerusalem for the Passover. And so they began to speak in tongues. They'd be like me speaking Chinese. I have no idea how to speak Chinese, okay? But it would be like me speaking Chinese and being Chinese people out there being able to understand what I'm saying. I may not even understand what I'm saying. But that was, I haven't seen this gift in operation very often. I've never seen it, but I've seen it in the Bible. It's the only place I've seen this. Secondly, you have an unction. Say you're in a church service or a prayer meeting or in a group of people, Bible study, or you may be on a train somewhere. I don't know where, but you have a sudden unction to speak in an unknown tongue, at a specific time, for the benefit of others. Well, how's that going to benefit others? They'll think you're crazy if you just start speaking in some unknown language that nobody understands, unless there is an interpreter. So this is the kind of tongue, this is a gift for a specific occasion for a specific word that God wants to speak into a specific group of people that must be interpreted. Does that make sense? When you see Paul talking about it in 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about in the church, I would rather speak you know, five words in a known tongue than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue because they'll think you're crazy. They don't, you're not getting anything unless they're being an interpreter. 
So it's, it's awesome. I have seen this in operation. I think this was in operation Tuesday night in our prayer group. Someone, their prayer language changed, and you could tell that it was, it was a, a tongue from the Lord. And then they got the interpretation of it. And immediately after it was over, they began to continue praying in the English language that we all understand and gave the interpretation of their own tongue. Most of the time, that's who gets the interpretation, the person who gives the tongue. But on rare occasion, I have seen it where one person gives the tongue and God gives the interpretation to somebody else. I've seen it in church settings. I've seen it in prayer settings. I've personally never did either one. I've never given the tongue or the interpretation, but I want to be able to. It takes faith. It takes trust in God to stand up and say something that you don't understand, but you feel the unction. I've never had the unction to do it. I ha- well, I take that back. I've done it in my own prayer life. I've felt the unction, but not in a group of people. And then I've interpreted my own tongue. Okay, well, then that gets us to the third type of tongue, which is your own private prayer language. What does it say in... Uh, Romans 8, 26, it says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows the heart knows what the Spirit is saying. And the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So God knows what you're saying. You don't even understand what you're saying. Let me explain it like this. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost... Every time you see in the Bible that they were filled with the Holy Ghost, it was with the evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue. They began to speak in an unknown tongue. That was the the sign that showed that they had indeed been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in the Holy Ghost. So they began to speak in an unknown tongue. It It says that your spirit prayeth, but your understanding is unfruitful. And so what is happening is, is the Holy Spirit within you is forming the word. You're saying it. You're, it's, he's not making you do anything. You're saying it. You're trusting him and opening your mouth, and the words that are formed on your tongue are formed by the Holy Spirit. And you don't even understand what's being prayed out at first unless he, he gives you the interpretation. Okay? What it's doing is bypassing this thing right here, which would be good for most of us to bypass this and, and come from our heart, from the Spirit. And it says that God understands what's being said because the Holy Spirit is praying out God's perfect will. He's praying out God's mysteries. He's praying out things you don't know how to pray as you ought, like it just said in Romans 8. If you drive by and you see an ambulance and you, 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 God puts it on your heart, well, you want to pray for wherever that, situ- that situation is and whatever that ambulance is going to do, you want to pray for that, but you don't know how. I don't, I don't know if it's somebody sick. I don't know if it's a car wreck. I don't know how to pray as I ought. But the Lord's given you an unction to pray, and you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You can begin to pray in an unknown tongue. And the Holy Spirit in you, who knows all things, can pray out the perfect will of God. Another thing I've noticed about speaking in my private prayer language, it has taken my prayer life to a brand new level. Because I can tell you, I used to drive to work 30 minutes a day, and I used to try to pray everything I knew in the English and I'd pray about 10 minutes on a 30-minute drive. Then I'd be sitting there, and I've pretty much said everything, God. But when, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, and I began to, to, 
to pray in the understanding and pray in the Spirit. The Bible says to pray, to sing in the Spirit, and to sing in the understanding, to do both. I began to pray in an unknown tongue, and then I would pray for a little while, and then I'd pray out the things that were coming to my mind. And then I began to, think, to realize that now unlimited things were coming to my mind. I didn't realize it, but I was beginning to interpret what God was wanting to pray through me by supplementing my understanding prayer with my spiritual prayer. And I know that sounds weird to people who don't understand the baptism of the Holy Ghost and never been to a full gospel church because it's not been taught to major denominations and, and you have a lot of people that are naysayers and are scared of this kind of thing. But what makes us think that God, God is a spirit, you understand. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. What makes us think that he's going to do everything on such a base level that, that our little pea brain understands? Do we really think we're going to fulfill the Great Commission and do all these great things that God has planned for us just in, in our own thinking? In our own... Praying out what we know, my goodness, we go through our little laundry list of God, I need this, God, I need that. And it's like, what else was there, God? Cut the radio back on. But the Spirit helps us keep praying, to pray longer, to pray deeper, to be more involved. He, pray, he helps us to pray out things. I've been praying in my car before, and you can, and I, and, and, He'll give me things to begin to pray about a specific person. There's no way I could have known. And I find out the next day that person calls me and said, did you know what happened to me? And I said, no, but I was sure praying for you yesterday at 8.15. He said, well, it was 8.15. I, I had a friend one time. He called me the next day, and he, he said, what do I do? He said, I was on drugs, and, and I was, feel like I was having a heart attack, and I laid down, and I saw demons coming out of me. He said, I saw him, and he was scared, and he come to me because he knew I was serving the Lord. And he ain't served the Lord in years and years. He was one of those guys that, in that car that day. And I'm telling you the truth. I'm not making this up. And I said, at that same hour, that morning, I was praying for you and casting out devils. You see, we don't know how to pray as we ought. And we're not going to be effective until we get past our little fear that God's going to give us this snake. Or that God's going to give us this scorpion. If you see it in the Word of God, and if God is offering you a gift, what kind of person looks at God and says, No, I don't want that. I know more than you, God. How, must, how insulting could we possibly be to God when He put it in His Word, but yet we don't want it? Because we don't trust him. People say, well, that tongue stuff is from the devil. They better be careful because blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the only sin I see can't be forgiven. Don't worry. God's not going to put nothing on you you don't want. He's not going to put nothing on you, okay? Just relax. <clears throat> so you got different kinds of tongues. You got the interpretation of tongues, which is simply 
somebody putting into English for us in a language that you understand so everybody can understand what the guy just prophesied in tongues. In the case of that that second type of tongues, where it is for a specific purpose and a specific time, right? Now, you don't need... uh, you don't need to have your private prayer language interpreted. You just pray out in the spirit all you want. You'll probably get the interpretation somewhat. If not, you're just trusting God that's praying out the perfect will of God in your life. And it's also building you up spiritually as you do it. So we just can't get to all the scriptures we need to get to tonight. Okay, the third vocal gift is prophecy. It means a speaking forth. It could be preaching. It could be a preaching under the anointing. I pray that when I preach, that it's prophecy. Because prophecy in the Thayer Greek lexicon says it's a discourse emanating from divine inspiration and declaring the purposes of God. And I believe that's what we're doing here tonight. We're declaring the purposes of God, whether by reproving and admonishing the wicked or comforting the afflicted or revealing things hidden, especially by foretelling future events. That's prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, He who prophesies strengthens others, encourages others, and comforts them. And that's what he said in the church. I, would, I, I wish that you all prophesied, because that's the greatest help in the church, to have someone get up and strengthen and encourage those and, 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 and tell forth the plan of God for, for this church, for their lives under divine inspiration. That's what, we, that's what goes on at the church. You have, you have uh, people prophesying, so to speak. But you could prophesy too. You can prophesy over your home. You can prophesy over your family, over your job. You can hear from God and you can speak and foretell future events, reveal things that are hidden. All right, so we have the three revelation gifts. We have the three vocal gifts. Now we're going to move over into the three power gifts. There's the gift of faith. You say, well, every man's given the measure of faith, and we build our faith by reading the Word of God and hearing the Word of God and trusting Jesus and all those things. Yes, but the gift of faith is a supernatural faith. It's not your natural faith that that you're responsible for for cultivating. The gift of faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. In a situation, he comes in and says, he gives you a word. says, this person's got a a week to live, but God says, go pray for that person and they're going to be healed. So you go and all of a sudden God has put it in your heart that what you pray, he's given you a gift of faith. You know when you pray, they are going to be healed. And there's not a doubt in your bone. You couldn't doubt if you wanted to. It is a gift of faith for a certain specific situation. And and I've heard stories about people that that had that unction, that they just knew. Brother Tom tells a story about one time when he had the gift of faith and how he couldn't doubt. He knew what he was going to pray for would come to pass. And God will do that in certain situations to believe for the impossible. Then there's the gift of healing. Healing is... The ability to perform miraculous healings, physical or emotional. And, and we're talking, once again, beyond that. 
of regular laying on the hands and praying like, you know, believers are already told that they can lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed, right? We all have that responsibility to believe in our own faith. But the gift of healing, some people, like I said, God gives these gifts as he wills. And some people have a supernatural gift of laying on of hands. I pray for this gift. I want to be able to lay hands on people and see them healed instantly. Uh, once again, I hope you don't mind, but when, when I'm sick, I go to Brother Tom. Because Brother Tom, has a, I believe, has a, a gift of healing. My brother, case in point, uh, stage four lung cancer, came here, was prayed for by Brother Tom. He's perfectly good right now, you know. And so, and, and there's other stories where Brother Tom has laid hands on people. Now, he, he doesn't claim to have any miraculous power. He's not Benny Hinn or anything, you know, but he, he has a gift of healing. And we all have gifts as, as God allows and as God wills. Now, he can't come up here and say, well, I'm going to the hospital. I'm going to lay hands on everybody and everybody's going to be healed because I have the gift of healing. No, it is as God wills. He can't, it's not of him, it's of God. The Holy Spirit gives him for certain situations. It's the gift of healing. Then there's the working of miracles. You know what a miracle is, anything outside the, the natural constraints, the laws of nature, something supernatural, above the natural. And the working of miracles is you being able to, to, to lay hands on somebody paraplegic and they get up out of the wheelchair or grow back arms and legs or anything. Now, you're saying, well, why don't we see more of that? Then I would believe. Because we have that attitude. Because we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And here in America, we're skeptical. We've, been, we've had so many charlatans in the church. So, many, so much play acting and so much video manipulations and everything. We don't believe anything here in America. But these things are happening overseas and, and nations where they are sold out to God and they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they are believing God with all their heart, soul, and strength. And it is available to us who will cry out and say, I want more, God. I want more of you. I trust you. There's other gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are the nine major ones found in 1 Corinthians in different places of the Bible. It calls serving, a gift of the Holy Spirit, teaching, encouraging, giving. There's people that's been blessed by the Holy Spirit to give. They can't give it away fast enough. They give it and more comes. And God's just using them as a giver. There's the gift of leadership, mercy, the gift of helps or helping. And all these, of course, are given as the Spirit wills. And, and God would not leave anybody out, you understand? All his children have at least one of these gifts that they can operate in if they will trust in him and, and get filled with the Holy Ghost and say, God, I want to operate, I want to find out what my gifts are. And I believe, I don't have scriptural reference for it, maybe Brother Tom might, I believe we can operate in more than one gifts of the Spirit. I believe we, can, we could probably at some point in our life operate in all these gifts if we will make ourselves available and we will be the one there when it needs to happen. Though I might not personally at this time possess what I would call gifts of healing, 
other than my own faith or whatever. If I'm in the right situation, God might use me in that respect. Or if I'm desiring these gifts, as you begin to desire these gifts, God listens. And I believe God will pour out because he wants to give what? Good gifts to his children. He's excited when you hunger and thirst after things of righteousness. So we can all be utilized at some point. Jesus, what does it say about him? He was given the Holy Spirit without measure. Now, is that just because he's Jesus? Or was it because he was sold out? He only did what he saw the Father do, only said what the Father said to do. He was all in. His whole life was to do the will of the Father. He was, at, he was one with God. And so the Father gave him the Holy Spirit without measure, even here on the earth. He turned water into wine. That's a miracle, working of miracles. He healed the sick. He cleansed lepers. He reattached an ear. How many of you could bend down and pick up an ear off the ground, bleeding and everything that somebody chopped off with a sword and stick it on somebody's head and have it stick? Not only stick, go back to normal. I don't even know if he had blood on him after that. Jesus knew people's intentions. He knew their thoughts. He knew when they were coming to trick him. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge he was operating in. He survived many times when they meant to throw him off the cliff or they came to get him. Whole mobs. There must have been some force field around him or something. They couldn't touch him. He raised the dead. He calmed the seas. He cast out devils. Restored sight to the blind. Walked on water, okay? <laughs> what couldn't you do in the power of the Holy Spirit? He fed the multitudes with just a sack lunch. He commanded fish to jump into Peter's nets. If he didn't, then what was the odds of him saying, throw your net on the other side of the boat? And all of a sudden, 153 fish jump into the net. Was that just by chance? Oh, and did I mention that he foretold his own resurrection from the dead? <laughs> Miraculous stuff. And how was he raised? By the power of the Holy Ghost. By the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead can dwell in your mortal bodies. Amen. Jesus said the same things that I do. Whoever believes in me, the same works I've done and even greater works can you do because I go to be with the Father. John 14, 12. Well, that's because he goes to be with the Father. That's what it says. Not because of the Holy Ghost. But what did he say? He said, if I go away, I got, to, I got to go away so I can send the Comforter. So because he goes to the Father, he sends the Holy Spirit. But many denominations, whew, whole denominations, are saying all those gifts passed away. Why are they saying that? Did they see it in Scripture? Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. They don't see it in Scripture. They don't see it in their lives. So they're making excuses. And I, I feel like we're doing that here sometimes. And full gospel churches are starting to back off on what they believe. We can't back off from the Word of God. We can't win the whole world in our own strength. We can't even get our own lives right. 
Think God's going to trust us with the world without his spirit in us? Acts 7.51 says, you stubborn people, you heathen at heart and deaf to the truth, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? It's what your ancestor did and so do you. I think it's time we receive the Holy Spirit. I think it's time we trust God's gifts. You think I got high in the car that night? Why y'all say no? I don't know the answer. I was too drunk to tell. <laughs> you see, mama taught me some good things. She gave me some good, good, good gifts, but she didn't have all the good gifts. There was a whole lot of other things that I could get into. So I drank like a fish. I don't even know if I got high or not. Mama didn't have all the gifts, but I'll tell you who does have all the gifts, has all the wisdom, has all the knowledge, has all the everything that you need to live a successful and a godly life, everything that pertains to life and godliness. I'll tell you who, who possesses it. James 1.16 says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with who is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. There's not even a switch that dims him a little bit. He is all light all the time. There is no darkness in him. There's no bad intentions. There's not going to be a moment where you ask for this and he's going to give you a snake, not even a worm. He is going to give you Good gifts, perfect gifts. Don't insult the grace of God. Don't be stiff-necked, stubborn, heathen at heart, deaf to the truth, and resist the Holy Spirit. God's gift to mankind. The Bible says that John baptized with water. But he said, but coming after me is one who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus died on the cross to put the Holy Spirit in us so that he could be in us and we could be in him. Why do we want to mess up his plan and make up our own rules and say, I don't believe that? When we see it in the Word of God. I've got to close. So what we need is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's the power of God unleashed in our lives. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He is on your team. He is the best gift you will ever receive. CBN.com says the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an empowerment for service that takes place in the life of a Christian. In it, we are immersed in the Spirit's life and power. He says to illustrate, if we drank water from a glass, then the water would be inside us. However, if we went to the beach and got in the ocean, then we would be in the water, right? You get in the picture? We received, as it were, a drink of the Holy Spirit when we got saved. But when we get baptized in the Spirit, it is as if the initial drink becomes an ocean that completely surrounds us. Just as the indwelling spirit that Christians receive when they're saved reproduces the life of Jesus, so the outpouring or baptizing of the spirit reproduces the ministry of Jesus and the miracles and the healings. 
So do you want a little bit of God, just enough to get you into heaven's gates? Or do you want all the power and the gift of God? To be immersed in the things of God. To say, God, I am yours. Didn't you surrender? Wasn't there a little surrender in your heart when you said, God, save me? I trust you with my life. I am yours. Do with me what you would. Jesus said in Acts 1, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Some people think, but no, I got all that when I got saved. And that's their argument. I'm going to prove to you that that's not the case. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is subsequent to your initial salvation. Acts 8.14, write this down. i got to hurry through this. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, so they received the message of God, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these, say, new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. So they got there, they had accepted the message, and they called them new believers. If you're a new believer, you're what? Saved. But when they got there, they prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has not yet come upon any of them for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. These people had believed, been saved, got baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and still had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is that clear to you? Does anybody see anything else in that scripture? Any way to refute that fact? Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. If you move to Acts 19, verse 1, same situation. Apollos was in Corinth and Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. These are believers, right? He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Okay, when you got, the day you got saved, did you receive the Holy Spirit? He asked them, and they said, no. They replied, we hadn't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And that's the way a lot of the American church is today. They get saved, and because of false teaching or inadequate teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, they get saved, and they do not get filled with the Holy Ghost, and they live out their Christianity weak and dying, and that's why America is weak and dying, because there's no power here. Nobody is operating in the power of God. They're just operating in their own little messed up little worlds and minds and their own little power and their strength. None of these gifts that we're talking about are in operation to help one another. So, Pastor, how do, how do I get baptized in the Holy Ghost? The same way you got saved, by faith. God doesn't force anything on you. He's not going to force, even once you ask to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, He's gonna, not going to make you speak. If you come up here to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you're going to have to shut this brain down and you're going to have to get down in your heart and with all your heart say, I receive it, Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to speak in an unknown tongue as a sign to know that I am filled with the Holy Ghost. And you're going to have to get out of this and get down in this because out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
The Holy Spirit is that living water. It comes from within. It does not come from here. This is the, this is the gateway that messes everything up, gets in the way of what God's trying to do in us. If Paul were here today, he would say, I, I long to impart some spiritual gift in the end that you may be established. There's no better way to be rooted than to be standing on the Word of God, which we have read tonight. To be standing in our love for Jesus and our trust in Father God that He will give me good gifts and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask Brother Tom to come up to the front. Brother Cedric. These men are experienced in getting people filled with the Holy Ghost. As it said that that who was it? Peter and John laid hands on them. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands, but you have to receive it. You'd have to be asking for it. God will not force anything on you, but you, it's the best gift in the world. So if you want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in new tongues, and, and make yourself available to God to begin to, to hear the, the discerning of spirits and to, and to have that private prayer language and to, to be able to prophesy and to be used of God and hear words of knowledge and be able to help other believers and to be totally immersed in the fullness and the power that God wants us to walk in. He said in one spot, why would you just want to be mere humans when I have made you a new creation in Christ Jesus, you are so much more. You are a, a man with God on the inside of you. But we have a church that has mainly rejected the power that God died to baptize us with. So, if you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, the evidence, speaking in other tongues, Come up here to the front tonight. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.